little Bobby, you should be depressed because you're going to fry in hell. Yeah. While we true apostles of God's earth in that mothership waving to those poor people. Let's get started. I don't know if, if you've been on a podcast before, but you're certainly a veteran in the broadcasting game. You have over... 19,000 radio episodes, according to you. You also told me that you're going to mix it up, so who knows if that's the truth or not. But welcome to Illuminati Confirmed, where everything you say can and will be used for humorous and satirical purposes by the court of we three unruly degenerates. I'm your host, Mystic Mark, tuning in our audience of thoughtful wingnuts Joining me is my co-host, Juan. From the Juan Juan podcast. How you doing, Ivan? So far, so good. And Chris. What up, Mensa podcast? How are you? Nice to meet you. Love the hat. That guy's smoking a frop stick. <laughs> we, it's a vape. Oh, he's 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 smoking up. We'll, be, we'll definitely be smoking on this episode because I think we're in for... An interesting conversation. You've been in the realms of alternative culture for much longer than I've been alive. Juan and, Juan and I have been studying as much as we can about the Church of the Subgenius, but we are. I was, hoping, I was hoping you didn't know. You said you didn't know anything about it and didn't need to know the jargon. <laughs> We're trying. We don't want to get blindsided, but you know, I'd I'd love to learn a little bit about more more about who you are sir and where this all started for you can you take us back to maybe what first woke you up to the fact that our world our society our reality is consistently lying to us this is something that we like to talk about on the show you know often you know the rea- reality is uh, stranger than fiction and i think the church of the subgenius exemplifies that but when did this weirdness really start for you, sir? Well, it, it's hard to say because uh, the last thing I remember, I was trying weed for the first time in seventh grade. Uh, and I, it's all been kind of a, you know, I just sort of woke up here. So I was hoping you guys could explain it to me. Where are okay. you in well, time? Well, actually, some of it has come back to me. Uh, in around 1975, I was struggling to support a family with my my job of doing offensive animated underground cartoons that didn't make any money and this this yellow pages salesman showed up philo drummond uh and trying to sell me a yellow page ad and i said well i I can't buy an ad because i i'm not i don't my business doesn't make make any money and uh, he, he said, well, oh, well, if, if you like working for nothing, I, maybe I have a job for you. And but then he, he said, but 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 first, do you want to get high? And I was real surprised because I didn't look at that time. I didn't look like somebody that would smoke pot. Yeah, I, I was real, real. I kind of looked like Elvis Costello, if you rem- remember him. Mm-hmm. So now now I now <laughs> when when people offer me pot i can say do i look like somebody who'd smoke pot and I go, oh yeah that's that's kid stuff for me i we sub geniuses smoke uh, have a frop circulops 
Wait, 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 wait. Can we can we go into the words though? Sometimes you keep using these words. Haver Haver Frop Sitfulop. We just say Frop for short, but it's a Tibetan word. On a lot of this stuff is Tibetan. Okay, that's what's anyway, in the pipe, uh, right? I, I don't know why. I, I'm not sure why, but, but nonetheless, however, at one point there there was some stuff going on in, in Tibet because like shortly after Philo got me high, and this was right at my house, but luckily the kids were gone. The next thing I knew, I was in a cave somewhere, and I was being pounded and abused from behind. Just be sodomized savagely. And um, I, I could, couldn't really turn around to see, but I could just hear this horrible low chuckling that scared me. And there was this monster with a huge swollen head in front of me kind of holding me down, and, and he, he was also laughing. Uh, you look like you're about to laugh, Ivan. Then, 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 I, then I kind of passed out again, and wh when I woke up, there, there was uh, the, the creature with the giant head. Like, the head was there. He was there, but the head deflated and it, it slowly, and it was Philo. And he said, say, now that you're here in Tibet, I was like, what? He goes, I'd like you to meet Bob, my friend, J.R. Bob Dobbs. Meet yeah, we know Bob. Hail Bob. I turned, I turned around, and there was, there was Bob standing there, and he stuck his hand out and said, hey, would you like a job? And I was going, no, I, I need a painkiller for my butt. And he goes, I hear you like to work for nothing. How much do you pay me for a job? And I just went, for some reason, this guy – just I, I would do anything. I wanted to give him money. And so I did. I gave him all the money I had on me, which was only about 35 cents. But, but he was real impressed by that. And he said, you're hired. And uh, the, the next thing I knew, I was back again in, in Dallas again in my little hovel. And Philo had told me, started telling me about Bob's teachings. It turns out this guy was had been a salesman like Philo, but he was like the saint of sales. He was the greatest. He had supernatural sales power, and he could sell, for instance, religion to an atheist, which uh, I guess I wasn't then. I believed in almost everything. I was really gullible, for, but I believed in Bob more than anything. And uh, Philo basically said, Bob wants us to start a little publishing company, and uh, sell pornography and drugs and, and, and his teachings as a religion. I was like, I don't know anything about religion. He goes, oh, you, you, sure you do. Let, let's get, you know, all we need, we just, we need an enemy. That's the conspiracy. We, we need a special name to make us be different from everybody else. That's subgenius. Because, you know, if you were a genius, Stang, you'd be rich by now, but you're just a subgenius. Oh, that explains it. And he, long story short, he, he ended up getting me to do all the work and put together these uh, little pamphlets. I got some right here. Pamphlet, pamphlet number one. This thing was published in January 1980, so it's really easy to date. The world ends tomorrow and you may die. You won't die if you join the Church of the Subgenius. At that time, it was only 10 bucks, and we didn't know what we were going to send people for 10 bucks. 
So we studied the Masons. We studied the direct mail ads of all the cults that were very uh, successful, the Masons, the Scientologists, and a lot of obscure ones, uh, like the Church of Beaver Cleaver and stuff like that. And I didn't even know who the Discordians were, except that I had read uh, Illuminatus by Bob Wilson and Bob Shea. And that mentioned the Discordian. They had a bunch of funny stuff in this Discordian religion, but I thought it was something Shea and, and Wilson had made up. It, it turned out uh, it, had been, it had been made up by a completely different uh, bunch of weirdos, uh, Greg Hill and Carrie Thornley. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for a second. This is our next book. It's, it's, a, it's Carrie Thornley's uh, autobiography of how he got sucked into the JFK assassination. Oh, wow. When does that come out? Yeah. He ended up being a, sort of a friend of ours. He's been dead for a long time now. When's that but, book coming uh, out, sir? Huh? When will that book be released? Uh, as soon as I finish the foreword, I think. Okay. Uh, my friend Onan Canobite really assembled it. I, I didn't I didn't really know that much about Thornley, except that he was crazy and paranoid. But now I'm, his book is quite clearly written, and he doesn't. His main concern is that he sounds crazy and paranoid. He was really worried about becoming crazy and paranoid, and he really did. He actually did become crazy and, and truly paranoid, uh, which is kind of sad. But but he did he did write that. But anyway, so we the next thing I knew we we did this little pamphlet. So we were just going to leave them in in laundromats, you know, like Chick Comics or. Jehovah's Witness Watchtower magazines. That was kind of what we were aspiring to. We were going, we hoped to someday do pamphlets as, as richly illustrated as the Jehovah's Witnesses. And we, we had, all we had was clip art that came from the yellow pages, uh, yellow page clip art. Remember Philo was a yellow page salesman. And that's where we found the picture of Bob. He, Bob had been posing for ads in magazines and TV for decades already, just to sort of plant hints of his presence. And we had found all these pictures of him in old magazines. You know, he'd be uh, selling Dobbs hats or pipes, or uh, he'd always be in a hammock and his wife or somebody would be mowing the lawn or he'd be fishing. He obviously had slack in all these ads. That was the other element of the religion. What do you have to offer the believers? And that was slack. The conspiracy, which is all people who are not subgeniuses, are, are uh, trying to rob away your slack. That's obvious. You know, you can't argue with that. The, duh. It just, that explains everything. So, but there was a, a kind of a time limit on all this. Bob said that the world was going to end July 5th, 1998, at 7 o'clock in the morning. It would end for everybody who wasn't a dues-paying subgenius. Like I said, back then it only cost 10 bucks. Now it's $44.99. Price just went up for the first time after 10 years. Uh, and you get a lot of stuff for that, by the way. It's a big package. Sign me up. The, the listeners can't see this huge package full of, we've got an eight by 10 of Bob in it. Uh, Bursting at the seams. Wow. 
It's got a little decoder pin, a minister's card. You'll be a real minister. You actually can perform weddings, and I've performed I've performed more, more than I can can count. Wow. I mean, really, like dozens of, of weddings. The money is in divorces, though, guys. Of course. You know, lawyers do a lot better than preachers. What's the website so I can buy one right now? Yes, subgenius.com. Subgenius.com. And if you can spell subgenius. You may just be one. Well, well, even if you spell it wrong, you'll probably get there. <laughs> subgenius doesn't have an O in it, but dot and com do. Subgeniuses, right? Dot com or is that is that fake? Subgenius.com. Ivan, can I do a, 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 a recap the story here real quick? Sure. Okay. So you go smoke weed. Next thing you know, in Tibet, being sodomized by the spirit of Bob. Well, we're not sure, but but that's a guess. Okay, so you smoke weed, bada bing, bada boom, you're in a cave in Tibet getting fucked yeah. by a spirit, bada bing, yeah. bada boom, that spirit tells you to start a religion, bada bing, bada boom, you got pamphlets, and we are where we are today in, in this time. Right. And wow, well, man, what a story, bro. That's incredible. So what's Oh, the, that was just the beginning. So give that me, was before, give me, that was Chris, before people started believing it. Chris, we wow, haven't that even was before people started joining up and clamoring. For we haven't even hit our, our stride yet, Chris. Respectfully, Reverend Stang, yeah, yeah, please yeah, continue. We, um, my wife was really ticked off about this whole mm. non-paying job thing. I was working my ass off on Understandably so. And she, she said, you need to send that stupid pamphlet to publishers and see if they'll pay you to make a book. And I went, what? It never occurred to us. Well, I, at that time in the United States alone, there were like 150 publishers. There's now about three. We sent the, the pamphlet and, a, and a, like a fake agent letter as if Philo was my agent or the agent for Subgenius Foundation. Wait, is Philo uh, a real human being, or is this? Yes. A, huh? Is is Philo an actual human being, like flesh and blood? Like you? Have oh a, yeah, yeah. Um, you can you uh, a photograph of this person. Well, well, not that I need it. I'm just, you know, it was. But I just wanted to see Corey correct. That's no, his counterpart. Bob's the only one. You know, nobody worships me or Philo. They right, worship right, Bob. Right. Yeah, yeah, so got you. Got pictures, right. masks. Don't you see the masks behind me, Reverend. Yeah, yeah. Reverend Sting, don't 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 mind our resident skeptic here. He's a little bit behind. No, but. no, no, not skeptic, not skeptic. No. I want to understand the story correctly. Understandably well, I mean, so. My wife made me send the the, the, the pamphlet. To all these publishers, all of whom either rejected it or just threw it in the trash. Cool. But the oh. first place we'd send them were the underground comics publishers because Philo and I were both big comic book fans, especially undergrounds like Robert Crumb's things, Zap Comics, Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. Those guys were our heroes. Those artists were. Cool. And so we sent them to those publishers and all three of the main publishers just threw them in the trash and said, why do these kooks send us this crap but the artists in each in each of those places rip off press and last gasp they the art an artist or two would fish it out of the trash and go this stuff's great they're they're using clip art just like we are because everybody would suddenly start doing it all punk posters were all made of clip art all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's like cool we were just doing it because we were cheap well next thing we knew we had these famous underground artists 
helping us, you know, just sending it to each other. And they reviewed it. They Robert Crumb printed our pamphlet in his first issue of Weirdo magazine. Paul Mavridis at Ripoff Press ended up being our partner and doing a whole lot of the best art. And his roommate, Hal Robbins, uh, started. Those guys could draw like clip art. So at that point, Philo and I would give them like stick figure drawings and that we designed, and then they would turn them into really nice drawings. One drawing caused the Secret Service to show up at my door. They didn't even have my name right. They, 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 they only had my first and middle name. So or, or, I, I could have said, no, I'm not him. But they, it basically, somebody in the airport had been waving our pamphlets around to people going, have you heard the good news? Bob is dead or something, you know, whatever. And it, it freaked somebody out. And especially this, this picture right here, it shows Bob and Jesus and Elvis and JFK and Buddha. That's incredible. Fighting a hydra. And one, the Hydra is like the, the arms are labeled anti-Bob, rival cults, pink boys and normals. And one was labeled Reagan or any president. And that's what the Secret Service didn't find funny. They, they said, please don't publish that again. Well, it was already in our book. I said, okay, we won't publish it again. People Magazine published it. <laughs> Millions of people saw it, and a, believe it or not, a glowing review of Book of the Subgenius, um, which ended up being published by one of the publishers who'd thrown it in the trash first, but or a secretary had thrown it in the trash. But this guy was on a picnic in New York with my sister-in-law and found a pamphlet crumpled up on the back seat of her car, and went, "Where did this come from? This is hilarious." They thought he, they thought it was a joke. See. I mean, a lot of people think Bob's not real, but one, my my butt will tell you Bob's real, They're all too real, large too, large and in charge. Big old Bob, Big Bob, what's up, Bob? He doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't show off how many inches he has. Is he circumcised? He brags or about not? numbers of. So, so he's, Bob's uh, got that thing on him, son. <laughs> he's got a bunch of things. So, you got more than one. That's that's Bob. The next thing we Bob. know, we were partying with rock stars, and we we of course immediately got got hooked on drugs we couldn't afford, and went off the deep end, and had to go to rehab, and then we switched to just to just frop alone and and frop derivatives, you know, frop all and. Frock frock jelly. That's what's in his pipe, right, Ivan? Yeah. And Bob's well, pipe, the frock. Actually, Bob's pipe. Uh, what he usually smokes, from what we can tell, is this cheap Borkum Riff Cherry Blend. It's just <laughs> some crap you get. It's the cheapest crap at the pipe store. Yeah. But, but the thing is, he never. No one has ever seen him either refill it or light it, or, for that matter, remove it from his mouth. In fact, if you look at the picture, it's almost like the pipe is glued up against his teeth. He didn't have his mouth open to hold the pipe. It's up against these clothes. It's the weirdest thing. Got great teeth, though, doesn't he? Oh, you are. Well, he's he's the perfect Caucasian, <laughs> uh, in a way. Uh, you know, bottled uh, after. I wore a Bob T-shirt around Beijing, China in the 80s, working on a documentary film 
on my side job. And uh, Chinese just would look at that picture and crack up. They thought it was hilarious. I guess to them it was an exaggerated white man, you know, like a caricature. And they thought, oh, little white man knows how ugly they are. <laughs> Something, you know. That was. I actually handed, I gave a copy of Book of the Subgenius to the, the only Chinese subgenius, a guy named Li Li Jing, at Tiananmen Square, because it was the day before we were going to leave, and they wanted us to see Tiananmen Square. And it was, I swear to God, three years to the day before the Tiananmen Square massacre. Wow. A book of the subgenius was left in China there, and exactly three years later, I think it was June 23rd, they, they, they sent a bunch of army guys from the boonies hopped up on meth to go kill those bad students mm. city kids so uh, ivan real quick bob's message can you give him a synopsis of the message yes the world ends tomorrow and you may die the subgenius must have slack you can gain slack by pulling the wool over your own eyes relaxing the safety of your own delusions too much he said is always better than not enough which are actually words more like words to die by than to live by. But yeah. it sounds good. That's the thing about all Bob's aphorisms and sayings and quotes and quips. They all sound really good. Mm. Uh, but the, the main thing is the subgenius must have slack. And by, what that also means is that if a person is a subgenius, it has slack, that you're born with original slack. But the conspiracy starts trying to take it away from you. You know, the minute you cry and they whack or they whack your behind and make you cry as soon as you're born, mm -hmm. start taking away your slack right then. You're just fine sitting there suffocating, but they whack your butt and suddenly you have to breathe. And that's it all begins. That's where the, all the eventually you end up with a job. In fact, even I, I, I I'm still stuck with this job. I'm, I'm, I should be retired by now. I'm 68 years old. Why am I still working for Bob? You need a little slack. Bob needs to give you a little slack. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he owed, actually, he did finally pay off. I went for, sir, the, the 80s were really, really fun. We met all of our heroes, and they slapped us on the back and said we were cool. And so my whole life goal was achieved by the time I was about 30 years old. And then, then, then we just, it never got big. I, we, we got sort of famous among weirdos, but it never got big. I, I, it finally around 2000, I realized if I did all the work myself, I could, and didn't do anything else, I could actually afford half of the house and half the utilities and so I got remarried, and now everything's fine. I haven't had to work for anybody else for 22 years or something now. So Bob's blessings, Bob's blessings, son. Bob's I, 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 usually, I mean, one, for a couple hours a day, I have to sit here and fill orders. I mean, you'd think that I'd have minions, what, with this being a cult and everything. There should be minions everywhere, <laughs> but none of us can stand minion types. In fact, when, when we've gotten people who were 
volunteers that really wanted to help. The reason they had so much spare time to volunteer was that they were incompetent at everything. <laughs> now, you can be a subgenius and be completely incompetent at, at all but one thing. That's, that, that describes a lot of subgeniuses. And then there's, there's the kind who can do a little bit of everything, but nothing quite well enough to make a buck. That's the other kind of subject. Anyway, we, we it, heck, somebody made a really good movie about us uh, a couple of years ago. 2019. Yeah. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius, directed by Sandy Boone, who, who actually was, uh, she was the widow of, a, of an early contributor who uh, filmed another filmmaker guy in Texas, David Boone. But he, he died young and she ended up, becoming a filmmaker herself and she wanted to kind of she wanted to finish his movie but first to get her director's chops she decided to do a documentary about subgenius she figured that'd be easy well two years and half a million bucks later she actually got the movie done and it was showing in film festivals and getting lots of good attention because it's real funny it's a very good movie it moves is. fast and but then covid hit no theater sales, no dis- distribution to speak of. So mm, that, sounds very reminiscent kind of, of that Tiananmen Square nonsense. Sounds like the three years. Yeah, you guys uh, maybe are tapping into the collective consciousness like an acupuncture needle with this type of work. But I, I wanted to ask a question that comes to mind because it's a little bit relevant to how I first came across the church of the subgenius being a cannabis smoker since the age of 16 I found the church of the subgenius on the internet looking at various alternative religions that I could maybe try on like a hat and I never <laughs> quite understood fully maybe until today what the church of the subgenius really comprised of but it, it definitely mystified me and gave me uh, sort of a, a look into a fringe alternative culture that sadly I was too young to participate in. But can you tell us more about how the internet played a role in the earlier days of the church of the subgenius after the eighties? Well, that, yeah, that, that, that wasn't the earlier days anymore. We were about to, uh, I was about to throw in the towel, really. We were, we were doing everything by mail order and, and, checks we didn't even run credit cards it's very primitive and and yet i was busting ass we did a lot of live shows then we hooked up with different bands and we do these devivals in bars I, i've never actually set foot in a comedy club believe it or not but we but yet i would i found myself you know at least every month in some town standing up on a stage in between bands, ranting my ass off and not and, and never making quite enough money and breaking my back hauling stuff to sell. And but and then Philo <laughs> knew he knew what the internet was before most people did because of his. By that time, he was he was like a systems analysis for the phone company. He had like eighty people working under him. He was the conspiracy. And, but he said. Uh, look, you've got, you've got to do this internet thing. He goes, do you have one of those, those America online coasters laying around the house? So back, back around 1993, America online would mail you a new disc every day. 
in a little can trying to get people to sign up. Of course, they were charging $3 a minute. And he, 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 he put it in my little computer and got hooked the computer up to a phone. And finally, I saw what the internet was. And I saw how much America Online was charging. So I immediately learned how to uh, work under the hood and join the Cleveland Freenet, even though I was in Dallas. Well, those people already knew who we were. At MIT, there was a big news group, a, a Usenet, or what they used to call bulletin boards. There's been a subgenius bulletin board there since 1983. So they welcomed, the internet welcomed us with open arms. And about that time, I got a young partner, Jesus, not <laughs> Jesus from the Bible, but he looks like Jesus is painted with long blonde hair, white man, you know, he really looked apart. I started calling him Jesus. And so he, so I had Jesus for a partner and he uh, got us on, on uh, to using credit cards and modernized everything a whole lot. Then he realized that, well, <laughs> then because of photographs that he and his wife put online, there was a child custody case where the, 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 his wife's, ex-husband got the child because of Church of the Subgenius. This judge just didn't get it. <laughs> and their pictures were pretty bad. They're pink he boys. reenacting the uh, Stations of the Cross at one X-Day drill. These were campouts that we had at a... At we, we, we have them at uh, usually clothing-optional campgrounds that are, are normally used by pagans. Uh, in, in fact, in 1990, I was invited to the biggest pagan festival in the Northeast called Starwood Festival. I thought they were going to ambush me because I'd been making fun of all that woo-woo What part of my what, career. What part of the but Northeast? Out, they knew how to party. And long story short, I, I, was, I was back at Starwood as the sort of the mascot skeptic and, relig and, and other religious nut preaching about Bob, that they loved that stuff. And I ended up, my second wife was, I met there. And then she ended up running the festival for several years. And I helped. So I ended up married into the pagan community. It's very strange. I got to know quite a few of the people I'd made fun of in, in a book, an early book that's out of print now called High Weirdness by Mail where we explained all the other cults you could join or at least get free mailings from them. You know, just send this form letter to these weird addresses and you'll get something back. And it's a great hobby. <laughs> it was how we started. Actually, the reason I met Philo besides his yellow page ad was that he collected kook pamphlets and Andy was into comic books and he liked Captain Beefheart. Now, of course, that describes every subgenius now, but at the time, it was unheard of. You know? Who's Captain Beefheart? What? Ca yeah, oh, Captain character. Beefheart, the great Cap Captain Beefheart, you know. I, no, Most I don't know. Who is it? Well, he was a very weird musician. He, had, he was very influential on people like the residents. And Church of the Subgenius, for that matter. He was actually a buddy, a high school buddy of Frank Zappa's. But his, he was even weirder than Zappa. And Zappa got him his first record deal, which is one of the classic albums of all time. But it's really hard to get used to. 
a trout mask replica was the first Captain Beefheart album. Captain Beefheart and his magic band. I mean, this is a real person. Yeah. yeah. Well, his real name was Don Van Vliet. But Don. Okay, cool. Yeah, there you go. There's Captain Beefheart. Cool. I thought you, you know. Okay. He's, he has an amazing singing voice. And like I say, he was, you guys may have also never heard of the Fire Sign Theater. They were a comedy group that did, well, they were really radio theater. They were about 10 years older than us geniuses. And Firestone Theater were, they were ahead, way ahead of their time. They kind of like Monty Python, but they were way before Monty Python. They were inspired by the, the Goon Show, which also inspired Python. But we were inspired by the Firestone Theater. And we didn't expect to be lucky enough to be them, but we did sort of end up carrying the torch in that there was a subgenius radio show started up in Berkeley on the KPFA, one of those hippie Pacifica stations. And that was in 1982, the Puzzling Evidence show started. I was the first guest. Then Hour of Slack started up in 1985. That was my show. I did it at a little station in Dallas until they kicked me off for, believe it or not, for uh, crazy racial reasons. We just got it we later got fired. But, but I just started doing it from home. We were already syndicated by then. I was mailing cassettes to these other stations. And so I started doing this thing from home. And later on, I ended up moving to Cleveland and was where uh, the station there was had already been playing my show for years. And I just started doing the same time slot and worked with some Cleveland folks. There were, there was a lot of uh, subgenius activity in Cleveland, a lot more than there ever had been in Texas. In fact, what were you talking about on the show? Were you like preaching to people about Bob or what? Were you just oh yeah. A little bit of everything. I mean, we'd, we'd be, we'd preach about Bob some, we'd play music often, mostly uh, unreleased music, music by subgeniuses or off Weird stuff, you know, outtakes. So the guys at Devo were our friends. Yeah, that makes I sense. I worked on a couple of their music videos, <clears throat> and they contributed to our... Mark Mothersbaugh did music for our little commercial that's on the front page of subgenius.com. Uh, Ivan, I'm Reverend Juan Ayala now. Can you sign my subgenius pamphlet, please? I ordered one. Are you able to sign that for me? Yes. Yeah, you only ordered a pamphlet? I ordered the 44 thing, whatever it was. Oh, oh you've got the membership pack. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, a reverend now, right? Well, I already did. They're, they already, they're, they're already signed. I mean, there's, there's like a letter from me in it, and it's, it's, I actually sign each one for real, but it doesn't have. When did you order it? Just well, now. We were on air like 10, 15 oh, just minutes now? ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ivan, I need to tell you something, bro. You're my favorite. You are my favorite guest by far and away, dude. You are great, bro. I loved everything you're saying. This is fantastic. And we're only we're only just getting I don't started. Trust you. Don't don't trust anything Chris says. Suspicious to me, Reverend. Don't. No, I'm, I'm serious, Reverend. Reverend, we have him here for comedic purposes. Don't trust anything he says. Um, ouch! Ouch! Those are my feelings, bro. Those Chris, are my feelings. Chris, you know I love I you. Have been I've done a lot of interviews. When when we're, our books were being published by Simon and Schuster, mm. they would send copies to radio shows. You know, they they could they had this huge list of 
PR stuff that they would. And so I ended up doing a lot of these straight radio things, just stupid drive time FM stations. The, the rock jocks were the worst. They were the dumbest, honest to God. The, 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 those, I just got to where I just dreaded those because the, the, the guys that thought they were real hip, mm. Jesus, God, they're so lame. Every time I ever walked into, there were times when big stations would go, oh, we heard your little uh, indie show. Uh, why don't you come in and talk about doing a, a for real show with us? And somehow the minute that you started hearing subgenius material played in one of those corporate offices, everyone in the room knew it wasn't going to work. It's like, no. No, advertisers wouldn't would never put up with we're making fun of people's most be you know serious things. Totally. And we weren't overtly like putting down Christianity, particularly because hell, that was old hat. Saturday Night Live was already doing that. We were more interested in UFO cults and you know the we Jonestown was the one we used as an exact an example. You know, if Jim Jones could talk 900 people into killing themselves, we could talk 900 people into sending us a dollar. I love you, man. You're my friend. And, uh, and it turned out, if we'd, have, if we'd wanted to, we could have talked 900 people into killing themselves. People are that ready to follow something stupid. We've had to fucking deprogram our own zombies. Yeah, so it'll be these, these people, well, when, when do I get to, to, to meet Bob? You know, how did that make you feel, Ivan, that you had that I, much I'd power? I cross my fingers and go, look, man, I'm going to have to tell you a real hard fact. Bob, you're never going to meet Bob. He doesn't <laughs> care about me. Uh, and uh, the, the, the dumbest one of all was a, the richest guy that I ever met. He, was some, he, he had inherited a fortune, and he thought he was going to meet Bob. And, and I... I I couldn't believe how dense this guy was. was <laughs> over the years, I learned that the the rich can afford to be stupid. And there's nothing more dangerous than a, a drunk rich man or woman, I guess. That's the most dangerous creature in the world is a super rich person who's really drunk. So they can do anything they want and somebody else will drive them home. And they could pay to make it forgotten, you know. How did that make you feel, Ivan, that you had that I much power? I want to get rich. That's what Now I want it. It's my turn to get rich. I fucking love this guy, bro. I, you know, I couldn't agree more with that last statement. And uh, I do want to know your answer to Juan's question, but I want to know your thoughts on conspiracy with that last statement we just heard. I mean, a lot of the conspiracies we look at, involve very rich people getting away with very, very bad things. Well, that's all you need is, is right. to be incredibly rich. You can do just about anything. The way things are now, I mean, it's like 1% of the people in the country own 99% of the shit. Everybody else is fucked. Uh, sorry, pardon my language. Oh, no, this please. Is an internet podcast. Swear right? away. Now, see, if I use this on my show, I have to... I have to, if I use any clips from it, I have to cut that stuff <laughs> or bleep it for at least for this only about four real stations now, but I do have to think about them. They, they can get in big trouble for stuff. <sighs> well, this uh, is your syndicated radio show you're talking about. 
Yeah. Well, the hour of slack, I mean, it, it's, it started out as a broadcast radio show on independent, you know, public type stations, college stations, sure. college radio, basically. Sure. Cool. And it, it was running on about 15 different college stations for a while. But gradually, people quit listening to the radio, for one thing. You could, at Cleveland State, I was with the station there for about 15 years. They couldn't get students to come in and do shows. Almost everybody doing shows there were 50-year-old alumni, you know, who hadn't had been classes in years. But they still had their same old shows because nobody else would take the time slots. It was nuts. And I, I now do the show from... Uh, my desk basically although every now and then I'll, we do phone things or and every x day we would have quite a few of us together to record a lot x days were great and we we did them up until well we're going to keep doing them but we just lost our venue we, we 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 had the perfect place in florida it was kind of a, like a, a hippie nudist semi-nudist resort but it was really nice that's one house. The person That's who ran it was real cool, but she's moving. She's moving it to somewhere else. So we don't have any place to do it this summer. Uh, and uh, we, we came up with great excuses for that. But Juan yeah, lives for, in Florida. 20, we've done 25 of these outdoor events that, that have had bands and people doing like live radio show type things. But mostly it was standing around on the road talking. You know, Sub geniuses meet each other. They, a lot of them would only see each other once a year, a couple of times a year, but they were special friends, you know? So it it was a, a, what Philo and I didn't expect that it would turn into such a social thing. I mean, there's so many face, the number of subgenius Facebook pages is too damn high. (laughs) There's so many of them. I can't keep track of them. Right. It seems like this is the most infamous anti-cult. Cause like you said, you're literally deprogramming your zombies. What kind of uh, feeling did that give you? You're realizing you had such power and you really weren't looking for it. It's like, if only we could keep a straight face. <laughs> if, only, if only I didn't smile when I was saying this. Yet. No, I'd be like L. Ron Hubbard by now. Oh, for real, dude. You'd have, I've got the, hat. You have the boat, dude. Oh, yeah, I got the yacht hat. I got the sailor's hat. You got to yeah. tighten it up, Ivan, man. You got to be real serious with this shit, bro. Because people can, you know, we, you, we'll you help you, man. I'm in, bro. I'm down. Can I be in? I want to well, be in. I love this 44 bucks, Chris. We're about to go you. into a... Well, I can't talk too much about this, but we're, we are, I think we're going to be entering a, a phase two soon. I love it. That's going to be a little different, but. Does that uh, involve. Um, we'll see. And it might actually make some real money. Now, I, ironically, <laughs> well, I'm the, where I'm sitting right now is uh, a, a big house in the middle of the woods on a, on a ranch property in rural Texas. So it's almost like we've got the perfect place for the cult compound. Oh but, like, but the problem is, I mean, I just don't like minions. So this next day is going to be a series of parties, local parties. Like I'll invite my friends that I know that are from around, you know, this Texas, Arkansas, and maybe, maybe a guy up in upstate New York will throw a big party there. Maybe they'll do some at the pagan campground that, that we used to use in, in Ohio. 
we, we I was in Ohio for about 20 years, and but now I'm back in Texas for good, but not Dallas. It's a goat ranch. I didn't really know much about the subgenius and stuff. I started looking into it and I love the ideology. I, I can yeah. get behind, fuck the system, <laughs> fuck, fuck all that shit, you know, and be your own person, do your own thing, find your own slack. I love that. Cause that's what we talk about. And no, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it has inspired lots of uh, people to in fact, repent, quit their jobs and slack off. Uh, sometimes they have to get a, another job, but it's almost always a better job. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when you quit your job, you get a better job usually. That's, so that's exactly if, if, what happened to me. And I did, I quit my job for the man and now I have this justice job for Bob. But unfortunately that means I'm always at work. You know, my <laughs> the bedroom's just down the hallway there. So uh, but you I, love have it. To, I have to give myself permission to, you know, knock off work and go watch uh, Rick and Morty or whatever. Living for Bob out here, <laughs> living for Bob. I love this, bro. This is incredible, dude. This is so, it really is. But you love what you're doing, Ivan, right? And I mean, as I, you, the thing that I like about you is that you told people, like, listen, we came up with this shit high as fuck. Why are you taking it so serious? Because people take their life too seriously sometimes. Well, you know, we actually didn't do that until that movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we, we, I stayed in character for years and years. And a couple of things happened. Uh, somebody outed me on Facebook, and suddenly I was Doug Smith instead of Ivan Stang. And I kind of like being Doug Smith again. It was, it was kind of new and different. And uh, I would still be Ivan Stang, you know, but screw Facebook anyway. My, the, the secret hierarchy, we use Telegram. But we have a special tiny news group of like six people. Uh, Little insider secret uh, there. We use Telegram enough, too. All the all the original. You might say there's about a dozen, maybe fifteen, twenty, really people who are really contributing heavily in the eighties, and uh, almost all of them are still alive. Uh, a couple of them hate hate subgenius now. It's too bad because they <laughs> one guy. Two, two guys that hate subgenius have the biggest Dobbs heads you've ever seen tattooed on their back. <laughs> or one guy has one and takes up his whole arm and he just hates it now. <laughs> Dumbasses. Anyway. Yeah. They, they, yeah. But, but uh, most of us are, are still, still friends and, they almost all of them were in that movie. Do you think that's a testament to living your life, cultivating slack? I think, you know, there's, you know, proven scientific data that shows in certain cultures, there's a, you know, correlation there. But what do you think within this small sort of subculture with a slack playing into people's mental health, as much as I hate using that term? Well, I think a, a sense of humor is a healthy thing to have in mm. this day and age. <laughs> they can't look take at a the joke people who them. don't have a sense of humor. They they really look bad. Like that all the time, and they're usually morbidly obese and, and full of anger. Of course, that's what the internet turned into—just an anger feeder. It's such a shame, you know. It was great when only smart people knew about it, and subgeniuses, smart people, and also subgeniuses. But then. You know, then pretty soon everybody's grandma 
was on the internet and all the girls that had been topless the next day made us take their pictures down. All their, all their naked pictures. What's the motto, Ivan? If they can't take a joke, fuck them. Is that how it goes? Yeah, fucking. That's the only the only real rule in the church is fuck them if they can't take a joke. Or if you're if there's if there's children in the audience, you can say, if they can't not see the humor of it, let them mount up upon themselves. <laughs> that's the polite the radio, the broadcast radio before eleven o'clock version. Mm. The, the yeah. term you use for weed kind of reminds me of what the monkeys called cannabis on their old TV show. Is there any co- correlation there? Any connection to the monkeys? What did they call it? I think they called it frop or froth or, or something to, along those lines. No, so, no. Frop was strictly for, from us. Okay. The, the monkeys did have a song called... called Bob Dabalina calling Bob Dabalina. Right. Just hmm. totally by coincidence. I didn't really remember that song, although technically I first record album that wasn't a movie soundtrack I ever bought was a monkey's album. But I Bob's a real person. What Bob, Bob Dabalina on it, but that wasn't where yeah. his name came from. That was something somebody else pointed out later. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of things like that. It's just Wow, he's think, Bob's been at this older than we thought. Do you think anybody else smoked uh, frop for the first time and was transmitted to a cave in Tibet? Tibet? Well, Philo says that's how it started for him. So not just you; other others have had. This oh yeah, yeah, no, that's that was standard. Uh, all the early hierarchy were were conducted that way, sort of like uh, a gang jump in. Uh, you notice we, we have, <laughs> yeah, you got to get some fish mark. That's right. Yeah. We have to use these special pillows with a little hole in the <laughs> What? How hemorrhoids much, and stuff. Are there different tiers? In so if I buy in right at twenty nine dollars, I'm a, uh, a deacon, right? If I oh, buy in, at, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a here. I'll pull out one of these doctorates in your in your marvelous pack. It's these. Wow, I didn't know they were so hard to take apart. Take your Ivan kind of looks like an older Bob, right? Ivan, are you Bob? Are you no, Bob? No, no, are you kidding? No, Sorry. Bob kind of looks like Ward I don't Cleaver. Look anything like Bob? Yeah, he this thing like here shows Bob. the the or the, the high epochs. That's what Bob is. It doesn't really give a price. It says please inquire. Okay. You'd be an overman for a hundred thousand bucks, an ex man for ten. I'm more of an X man. High Pope of the Unpredictable, five grand, Supreme Supervisor for a thousand bucks. We actually had a few Supreme Supervisors. That's a deal. That's a steal. They got a plastic card. Was that four real? man to twenty five bucks? Drone man ten bucks. High Priest of the Repeatership six bucks. For one dollar, you could be a whiz master. I want that. whiz master. So, and these are signed by Bob with a well. It's printed. Yeah. And it even, it even it has my signature and Philo's signature, but they were actually rubber stamps. They're printed <laughs> versions of rubber stamps of our signatures. So, so Ivan. Like double cheating there. How much do you think Bob has had his hand in all of these ancient religions? Because if we look back, we have these, right? You, you had a psychedelic 
experience where Bob revealed himself. You have Helena Blavatsky talking about the ascended masters. Yeah. Is Bob an ascended master? Is he some well, sort of there, Bob himself is, is only about 88 years old. Uh, as we <laughs> figure it, but there've always been Bob's. And of course we also, we, we let's face it. I mean, we, we created a monster from the parts of dead religions. We dug up dead religions. We took the best parts and we stitched them all together. Frank and, and there's, you know, there, there's your uh, do it yourself religion. One size fits all. Now, once and for all, can we, can we settle? Blanks. But there, uh, uh, it wasn't Bob that started all those religions, but the alien that calls itself Jehovah One. Right. It has masqueraded as a god. It's a retarded alien from the. the it's an exist actually from Planet X, but it's a kind of a, a differently abled one, and he, mm. it's lived on Earth for thousands and thousands of years. It started the Zoroastrians and of course the Hebrews and the, the, a lot of the Roman stuff is, is based on Wotan is another name, Odin, so forth. Now uh, they're all the same monster. It's all a big invisible space monster in the sky, right? But it is a monster. Now, right. It's definitely has, a monster. It's has not, this been, it's not God. Has this been brought up before? I've seen a group, going by the name Pastafarians. Are those guys just uh-huh. copying the Church of the Subgenius? Is there a beef between the, the you two? Oh. oh, no, no, not at all. They were, they were, well, you know, they were started as kind of a protest against something. You know, mm. it's like... The flying uh, spaghetti monster uh, belief. Yeah the, yeah, the flying, I mean, they, they, some guy just decided, okay, my religion is the flying spaghetti monster. I'm going to stick with it. I think and, he was at the DMV. Uh, and, and, and it was, you know, a lot of people picked up on it and they've, you know, they've been going strong. They're probably, they may be better known to the normal world at large than, than Church of the Subgenius is. Hmm. But, you know, they came along a lot later Right. And we were preceded by the Discordians. The Discordian thing was started in the 50s. I didn't actually see their material until we'd already done the first pamphlet. I thought it was part of the Illuminatus thing. But the first time I saw it, the Discordian things, my first thought was, oh, no, everybody's going to think we copied them. That happened when Devo's first album came out, and it had this that's face on the cover that looked kind of Bob-like. It was actually Chi-Chi Rodriguez, the golfer. But mm-hmm. they, they suddenly people, you know, we were afraid to, that, that oftentimes we came first, but people got mixed up. There's a Talking Heads or David Burns song called Puzzling Evidence. Well, it, when he made his movie True Stories, he was going to have a subgenius devival scene in it. With and that was the song that was going to be in it, and I was supposed to do the collage image projections, and our Pope David Meyer was going to be the preacher. But as soon as Hollywood money came in, suddenly, oh, we didn't have enough of a track record, and they had to change it all. But so, but they still had that song puzzling evidence, and there's a lot of similarity, subgenius in that scene because it was supposed to be us originally. And he was shooting, he shot that thing in the Dallas area too. 
but so that that wasn't. Uh, I mean, I understand how that how that works. When suddenly somebody else is footing the bill, they they really get to call the shots and uh, who gets hired, and it wasn't us. Hmm. That now, wasn't David Burns' fault. He's a good sub genius. He bought two memberships. Outside of that one uh, Secret Service run-in, were there any other conspiracies that were covered within the pamphlet or talked about that maybe ruffled some feathers or maybe broke some news? Oh, I mean, there have been FBI offices in, in, well, like in Cleveland. There was some clueless dipshit at the FBI office there who thought we were going to all heaven's gate ourselves in 1998. <laughs> and called the campground, the sheriff, actually called the sheriff at this little town where, where our events were held back then in New, upstate New York, western New York. And uh, the, the sheriff listened to this guy go, oh, subgeniuses, oh, they're going to kill themselves. I'm okay. He immediately called the campground owner and goes, Frank, you're not going to believe this bullshit. The FBI is so stupid. They thought the subgeniuses are for real. <laughs> At the same time, though, I mean, we are for real. There's thousands and thousands of ministers out there. I really don't know how you can't, like, put because so many have disappeared. But I would say at least 40,000 people have sent us that have, have actually sent the 35 bucks or whatever we were charging. And this is a I good mean, tax for, for a long time. It was like three nice a day. day. It's more like two a day now. Uh, some years it was six a day. You have people joining up, and I could fetch up a number in the thousands on my email easily. But Ivan, you seeing some nice checks or what? What's going down, bro? You getting paid? Oh, I, I, I make my li- I've made my living doing this for years now. I love it. So, yeah, yeah. I'm get I'm getting paid um, now. The house I lived in. This is was my. I didn't expect this to happen, but I've ended up living in my late parents' house in the middle of a goat ranch. Hmm. <laughs> my brother raises goats. In fact, yesterday I was standing next to a mound of composted goat shit, taller than me, sh- uh, filling pots for my garden. You eat curry goat? You ever eat that curry goat? No, no. I would feel what? like a cannibal. I, I can't. I don't. We don't eat goat here. We. We don't like to think about what happens to the goats after they leave. Oh, you're tripping. That curry goat is the best dish known to man, my man. Maybe. Maybe. I tried I tried goat once in, at a restaurant in Portugal, but I didn't like the way it was prepared. Yeah. And I had cabrito. There's a place here in town that serves goat, but it didn't, it didn't taste any different than, I mean, it would, I couldn't really taste it that much, and I felt kind of guilty. I, I don't raise the goats. My brother does, but, you know, you get... <laughs> Ivan, would you have done anything differently from when you started all these years ago? Would you have done anything differently when you were starting this, you know, religion, if you will? Would Not you that have- I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have anything to do with the religion. Interesting. Because we're, we're actually, we have an idea for a religion that we've been wanting to start. It's our, 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 we. our guy is... Nicholas Cage. China? Thinking about- China is calling you right now, Chris? Is that a normal thing? <laughs> no, what the fuck is going You think that was Zoom? Like, yo, it's don't funny. Talk about bombs. I was just <laughs> I was just about to ask uh Reverend Stang if he's ever traveled outside of that one China experience and here we have a call coming in from China, but Juan was yeah, asking a great question. There have been devivals in China. There, there's an American friend of ours that lives in Shanghai, his reverend Shining Path of Least Resistance. 
and he has has a small clench, mostly foreigners there. Right um, on. We we I don't think we've ever sold a ministership to a, a native China Chinese. Any other countries? Uh, and no and no Russians either that I know of. No Russians. Now, oddly enough, there's bootleg Bob shit in China. We've a friend of mine found a shirt with little Dobbs heads and golfers all over it in in China. Not much you can do about stuff like that. Right. Uh, Any other interesting countries, Africa, Europe, South America, Australia, any weird? No, Spanish, not much from Spanish speaking countries because those are heavily Catholic. You're not, not hardly anything from Mexico, but a ton from Australia, New Zealand, England, Germany, the ne- the Netherlands. We we boy, we got to travel to Amsterdam a bunch of times. I know I could find my way around Amsterdam without a map. Boy, that's a, that's heaven yeah, for a tourist, you know. How about um, recently? I heard they kind of changed their stance on uh, a lot of things over the past yeah, few they're, years. They're cracking. Well, yeah, because of the the. the Englishmen get too high and drunk and fall in the canals <laughs> and yeah. walk out in front. And Americans walk out in front of the traffic because it's, it's, you know, everything's going the wrong way and mm. just uh, dumb crap like that. Okay. Uh, or actually, what, what I hear the place to go is Portugal now. Right? Have you been? It's incredible, bro. It's the best. Don't tell anybody. I've got I've got a buddy in Portugal, but we yeah we did a lot of shows in Germany and uh, England. That was really fun. Now, how much of how much of the uh, Robert Anton Wilson material comes into play here? Because I might have been altogether confused, but I recently came across a copy of the original Illuminati card game and started getting interested in all that. There's a Church of the Subgenius deck that goes along with that card right. game. Yeah. Well, well, those were all developed by Steve Jackson. Right. Steve Jackson got permission to use the Illuminati stuff, and there was some crossover there, so they he decided to do a subgenius one too. Now, the funny thing is, I got to to hang out with Robert Anton Wilson many times because of that pagan festival, Starwood. It it was originally Starwood was was going to be kind of like wired more of a, or mine in, in those days with Mondo 2000, but it was, it was more like, you know, fringe science, fringe alternate healing, okay. uh, re- regular science uh, and world music. And there were a lot of witches and druids and shit up in Northeast Ohio. And they, they, they kind of became a little top heavy with, with that gang. Mm. But you know, I know a lot of witches and I can tell you what they say about their titties. <laughs> Grave digger's ass. I can't speak for that, but a witch's tent is not cold. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of mounds up there in Ohio, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's something in the water. That's some mounds, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a. There was a. In fact, there was a turtle mound at the at the last campground we used in Ohio. Oh wow! Uh, fake. It was made by you know hippies, not Indians. Mm. You know, it looks good. Now, as <laughs> much called it a turtle mound. It was a good place to wait for flying saucers. I'll tell you that they never came. But boy, I was there at seven o'clock in the morning every July fifth for twenty five years. Never came, and and every time, everybody stares at me. Said they we do the countdown, saucers don't show up, and everybody looks at me. <laughs> 
So, you know, I've had to, I've had to get used the, the very worst one in 98, there was a, there were like 400 people there. And there were some who really expected they were going to get their own flying saucer. For that was the one in the movie, right? Ivan. Yeah. But I they got attacked uh, they, the, the, somebody suggested after the great disappointment in 98, uh, I unveiled the fact that 1998 actually looks like another number. If you turn it upside down, it's 8661. And the original <laughs> memo that Bob wrote down, it looked like maybe it had been switched over, you know? So, but people got really mad. And they, they, these, they stripped me naked and <laughs> poured honey and pink flowers or feathers, pink feathers all over me and threw me in the pond. <laughs> and I stood there stark naked, shaking my fist at like 300 laughing people. This is all on, on video. And so what to most people is their worst nightmare, standing naked in front of laughing crowd. It's just, for me, it's just a memory of a wild party. I, love I never that. let him do that again, though. Of course, we never had that many people. It was disappointing to find with, with our the next X day after that, only half as many people and it dwindled each time, which indicated to me that more people were taking this seriously than than we knew. And that's that's a little that's a little creepy, actually. You know? I mean, you've literally started a cult about a joking cult, and then some people have literally joined in thinking it's serious. This is the most incredible thing maybe ever. Has it ever gotten well, away from it? appeals. It, 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 it sort of, there's people out there who are just plain schizophrenic <laughs> and <laughs> our writing style, and especially in the first the book and the first pamphlets mimics that schizophrenic way of talking. And it addresses the kind of things they believe. Everybody's out to get you. You're, you've got magic powers just because you're weird and different. You know, it's just telling people what they want to hear. But the schizophrenics believe it. There's I believe a guy it. Who, who once, every, every week or two, he'll spend all day long filling up my answer machine with four minute, the same rant over and over again. Four, he'll 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 stutter it out for four minutes and then call it up and do it again because he didn't get it right the first time. He's been doing this for twenty five years. <laughs> and he, he's obviously you know he's crazy. I know that he lives in a special home. Oh my god! But they let him have a phone. And I've got his number blocked. But every week I have to look at my blocked messages and just delete his. <laughs> He's not the only one. There was there was another guy just like that who was actually in a in a mental institution in Chicago, but they they quit letting him call us. I always felt sorry for that guy. Hmm. My 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 friend Jesus would talk to the guy, <laughs> and the guy thought he was talking to Jesus. <laughs> so awesome! It was the craziest thing. He 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 would say things to my 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 younger partner like, "Yeah, when I get out of here, uh, first I'm going to marry Moon Unit Zappa, Frank Zappa's daughter. Then I'm going to marry Stang's daughter. My daughter was four years old at the time. He might have heard her voice on the radio saying some. You know, I'd get my kids to say shit about Bob. They they'd go along with it. You know, 
my kids didn't believe in Bob. They believed in Santa Claus, but not Bob. <laughs> what are you, what you going to do? These kids these days, they're just crazy. <laughs> all you were trying to do was help them, man. See the light. You know what I mean? That's all you were trying to do, bro. So now I've got three grandsons that'll all do it. You know, I get be on my show and it, it always creeps people out when they hear little tiny child voices going, if you don't love Bob, he'll kill you. He'll bob you out. One thing that really stood out to me, Ivan, that I, that I really appreciated about you was when you went to the post office one time and you had some dues for some post and you paid it and you're like, this better be a fucking good joke. And it turned out to be a thousand dollars that you donated yeah. to somebody. I had a, 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 a desperately sick niece and who, who desperately needed money. And I mean, I just, I would have been a real asshole if I, did, I, I, I didn't give her all of it. I, I gave her seven, 750 bucks. And so that, yeah, that was, that was really nice of you. So it shows the type of person that you are. Cause I was expecting a completely well, different person. <laughs> I was expecting a, a completely different person though. When I, when I, well, I, I might not have done a good job of describing Reverend Ivan Stang to you guys. So I'd take fault in that, but we had a pretty colorful uh, discourse before we got on the air here, Reverend. So I appreciate that. I want to go back to, to Robert Anton Wilson. Did he appreciate the you know at least the the likeness with bob you know with the name and and what was oh, well, his thoughts on anything it that's, you know where they're all going price bob if all the roberts always love that stuff no he he was a super some a friend of ours sent him our stuff real early on and he loved it he was he was he immediately like said yeah yeah let's uh join forces and he, he contributed to our book, Three-Fisted Tales of Bob. There's a, sh a short story by Robert Anton Wilson in that. That's an anthology of probably fiction about Bob. And he, he contributed to that. It's about half footnotes. It's really funny. And it was old. It's a, kind of a Lovecraft takeoff at the same time. And if you look at my YouTube channel in the Subgenius playlist, there's a wonderful rant he did at a convention called Phenomicon, I think, in Atlanta. We, we both ended up in the same places a lot. Whenever he was in Dallas, I would open for him. And he spoke at that at Starwood thing uh, very frequently. In fact, the guy that ran Starwood was his speaking agent. And so, you know, I got, I got to actually hang out with Shay and Wilson one night. And it's funny, all they talked about was movies. They're both just huge movie fans. And Pope Bob uh, Wilson was furious at the latest Hannibal Lecter movie because they changed it from the book. They, they changed the ending totally. And he was just, he was really mad. I learned that he and I both had a favorite movie in common. Orson Welles did a movie of The Trial by Franz Kafka in the 60s. And, and Pope Bob just thought that was the greatest movie ever. And so did I. I kind of ripped that movie off myself on a, on a movie that wasn't really, well, it was related to subgenius. I did an underground movie in college my one year of college that uh, it's called let's visit the world of the future. It really rips off Robert Crumb more than anybody and Firesign theater, but I borrowed lighting style and location looks from that 
Orson Welles movie. Just just so we can be clear, there's no there's no beef with Discordianism because you know I, I'm a pope. I'm already a pope. Yeah. Just, right, just, right, sure. We're, okay. We all are, aren't we? Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we all are. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. No. no, we didn't. We never. Uh, of course not. Now, some Discordians want uh, like to be in some sort of competition. Mm. But it's like they, they've never even had a central centralized P.O. box. They're Discordians. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> they're, they're the most disorganized, organized religion ever. Much more, much less organized even than Church of the Subgenius. And there have been a, a few times when, like, Time Magazine had a, a poll around the turn of the century, when it was about to be the, the year 2000, they were going, who is, they did various polls. One of them was fraud of the century. The readers would submit their vote for online for fraud of the century. <laughs> well, most people put in things like L. Ron Hubbard and Rush Limbaugh, and time wouldn't let them, it was like, no, 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 those are, those are real frauds or something. I, I don't know. They so Discordians did not want Bob to win fraud of the century and they didn't have anybody to run in. But so they sort of randomly picked Geraldo Rivera yeah. and it really was a contest. You could see online up to the deadline. You could see the numbers going back and forth. There'd be, you know, Geraldo would be ahead. That was the Discordians. And then Subgenius would be ahead. But in the end, they uh, time discovered that most of the votes for Geraldo Rivera were bots. The dis there was one Discordian using a bot, whereas the subgeniuses were for real. So Bob won Fraud of the Century in Time Magazine, <laughs> and but they misprinted it. They 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 had their list of different poll results, and under under. Uh, fraud of the century that it just said bob is <laughs> and and they, they left left off it was a misprint well people wrote in and said what the hell who's this fraud of the century is it just and i was going they're right bob is they finally got it time magazine is correct for the first time ever bob is well the next the next issue they reprinted that they said, well, we it made a mistake. There was a typo. And they showed a picture of Bob this time. And they said, Bob is, and they got it wrong again. Bob is a mascot for a band in Dallas. <laughs> like, no, Bob is a mascot for dozens and dozens of bands all over the world. But Sounds like know, a church of the things. subgenius member was working sure. in the midst over there messing with someone. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we, we got in there twice because of that. Some DJ in Cleveland, of all places, saw that and didn't know who Bob was, which is in Cleveland. Believe it or not, that's kind of odd, especially for a, a, a drive time rock show DJ. And this guy invited me on his show to make fun of me because I believed in the fraud of the century. But who was fooling who? That's that amazing. interview went real strangely, and I didn't quite get it. It ended real quick. And when I got off the air, I got this great recording of these guys going, oh, I don't think Jesus had any disciples that were stupid, named Dopey. Yeah, because I looked up this Bob guy, and he's like fraud of the century. And this Ivan Stang, 
he's a disciple of Bob. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was like the kind of recording you kill for to get somebody being that fucking stupid. And of course, you know, he started this. I'm sure within that hour, he had a dozen people call up and go, boy, that guy handed you your ass, dude. You you're the one who got tricked. <laughs> so that was fun. I love it. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, outside of the cult accusations which obviously haven't gone anywhere because there's really nothing to to look at besides the satirical sort of pseudo cult were there any well, actually no there there there's there's the fbi guy that thought mm. we were we were gonna all kill ourselves right the, the the new jersey highway patrol handbook has a picture of bob as an example of satanic there's a guy a consultant was teaching police officers in Cleveland about cult and gang graffiti and used a picture of Bob and said, this is the Bob, this is the gangs use this to mean Bob is watching you. Like, <laughs> gangs. Yeah. Like, huh? Yeah. Bob is watching you. And, it, and it's our gang. It's, Kind of like our gang and the little rascals, you know, right. that's, that's the level of gang it is. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's fun to see the systemic incompetence, but you know, yeah. when it comes to, when it comes to actual, you know, fringe people, obviously being attracted, were there anything, you know, that ha was there anything that happened like in the realm of hacking or, or maybe even actual crimes that, you know, you guys were maybe not associated with directly, but the result of, you know, this kind of being in, in the fringe culture. Yeah. The, ver the very first time we ever got mentioned in foreign newspapers Columbine. was at the second world sub genius convention in Baltimore, this really adventurous artist who goes by the name tentatively a convenience He's still a functioning artist, too. But he did an art form based on a, a comic book of ours, he, and it used a couple of dead dog carcasses that he'd found in the underground train station. They had subways in Baltimore. And there was an unused section of tunnel where the, he found these two rotting dogs, and he, he painted them. He spray-painted them white and hung them up, strung them up by their legs, and had this weird loop tape running and he was nude except for white grease paint all over him. And he invited all these sub geniuses to come from the, from the convention down into the tunnel and witness his art show, which was him tapping the dogs and saying, good dog, good dog, <laughs> sit, lay down. And they're just these corpses. It was the worst smelling art show in the universe. And the cops got called. I, wasn't there, which is good because I was actually tripping. And so was my editor from Simon and Schuster that had come for that event. And he and I got there just in time to be told there were cops and we would have been the one everybody looked at. So we backed away that, that poor guy spent the night in jail, but that made the news. And in fact, even relatives of mine ended up reading about the sub geniuses killed dogs and, used them for art shows, which was, of course, was total bullshit. Nobody killed any dogs. Uh, and, oh, what else? There's been, a, been quite a few. I've had to kick people out because I found out they were what you might call sexual predators. 
taking advantage of stupid people. And uh, there was there was the the child custody case. There's been plenty of others. I'm trying to think. Oh, the graffiti has, has been a problem. I started getting letters from the Cleveland Transit Authority, the bus bus company, uh, saying, you got a season to just putting your ads on top of our ads. You know, and the ads in the bus were apparently getting little subgenius dubs heads stuck all over them. And I had to go, oh, look, I, I don't, I can't. You're like asking a spray paint can manufacturer to end the graffiti. I, I'm not in Cle- I wasn't in Cleveland then. It's like I, I have no idea what, who's doing that or or why. Well, I, I later did find out it was a, a, a Pope, the late Pope Jimbo. He was the most active guy in Cleveland. He he hired his son and his and his son's buddies to help him go all over Cleveland, especially the flats where all the clubs were and put Dobbs heads, stencil them, stencil Dobbs heads everywhere. The, the cops caught him orange handed with orange spray paint, you know, doing, doing it. And, and the cops go, what's going on here? My friend, Pope Jimbo, out of the blue, he goes, it's okay, officer. It's supposed to be orange. <laughs> oh, okay. It's kind of like, these aren't the droids you're looking yeah. for. And, and, he, and the cop just went away. There was another case very similar in Los Angeles. These kids got busted spray painting Bob all over. It was a bridge abutment or some someplace already had a lot of graffiti on it. They got caught. And the cop took him into, into the jail. And this assistant DA gets the arrest report. And he reads it, says, spray painting pictures of a man with a pipe. He goes, sh- show me a picture of this. The, the cop shows a picture of the, the crime. And the D- assistant DA happens to be an early subgenius. And he goes, oh, that's just Bob Dobbs. Let him, let him go. And the, those two kids were like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, they were ecstatic. I even have, I actually have the arrest report from that because that DA was a, fr- we had a friend in common. So I, lear- I learned about that through through uh, a close friend, and ended up with a copy of that that report. So, so most of the crimes ended up with a happy ending. Nobody actually got hurt mm. or even thrown in jail. I, I want to say I want to say something real quick. I have a buddy of mine, uh, Doctor Reverend Doctor Kaiju Digger. He sends his regards. He's a big fan of yours. So I told him I would send his regards on on his behalf. So he sends he says What's hi. Doctor Reverend Doctor Kaiju Diggit. <laughs> Kaiju Diggit. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> as uh, as someone who lives not too far from New York City, I love finding that kind of uh, ephemera, you know, posted all over signposts and walls and graffiti, and it's really cool to you know find like a little zine talking about fringe culture. How far, you know, how far do you guys go now with the publishing this stuff? Is it all mainly the, the titles that you've created over the years, or are you still creating pamphlets that go out or maybe not yourself, but are there well, any actually, groups? We, we've, because it's so easy to self publish now uh, with print on demand, mm. we're, we're uh, doing books again. Uh, in fact, we've, we've, we, we did in the past, we did four basic 
commercial books that were in bookstores. Book of the Subgenius was the first one, and it's still in print. But you can get it from Amazon. If you get it from me, it's signed. In fact, all of these, I, I signed the foreword if, if I didn't write the actual book. But we, most of our stuff is really out of print. But I'm, I'm thinking we're going to reprint them. I have the rights to the, the fiction anthology and I think the very last book we did. And there's only one that I, I don't have the rights to. But we started publishing. We have a lot of plans. To, to, we're going to reprint our old magazine, The Start Fist. And you got a book form reprints. That's that's I've already scanned those. I don't know why I haven't done that one yet. But uh, we we printed three fiction books now. And there's one that just came out. This is the funniest one, and it's the most expensive. We printed it in hardback and only 50 numbered copies. It's called The Agent and Mr. Dobbs about a naive FBI agent who's assigned to follow Bob Dobbs, and it's insane if somebody i've actually written two subgenius movie screenplays but if somebody came to me and said i've got big bucks for a subgenius movie i'd hand them this because it's it's actually better and love to see that we're gonna we're gonna reprint it as a cheaper paperback it's if 50 bucks is kind of an experiment to see you know make make a collectible and it worked i sold half of them the first day that we announced it Bro, make them 500 bucks. Fuck them. <laughs> well, that's, maybe that'll be the next step. But we, we did a, there's a subgenius science fiction book called Eyelash that we printed. I think we've sold about 50 copies of that. And my old radio uh, spouting buddy from Cleveland, Lonesome Cowboy Dave, he wrote a sci-fi book that's not really subgenius related exactly, but it's weird enough to be. And, and it's by him. So that was the first one I printed. That one's we probably sold about 200 of those. Mm. That's not, you know, for self-publishing, that's about all you can expect if you're not hooked up with a big distributor and all that. Now, uh, getting back to... You know, pocket change. But we have so many items that produce pocket change, like uh, Bob's stickers, you know, three bucks, uh, little pins. We got lots of pins and bumper stickers and CDs, DVDs, that kind of thing. You know, I was a filmmaker originally and continued to do a certain amount of that. It's not, oh, and there's a, there's a Roku channel. There's actually a subgenius channel on Roku. It's a subset of a, of a bigger channel called OSI 74. And Philo curates the subgenius section of that. He puts on a different, uh, some of it is old subgenius short films that are also on our DVDs. Uh, but a lot of it is just obscure rarities and really bad movies that, you know, are so bad they're funny or they're legendary for whatever reason. And a lot of collage type stuff where people do cut-ups of, uh, there's one, one film called Sex and Violence. It was made by a friend of mine. He just cut together every death scene and every fuck scene in his entire porno and movie collection. Smart. That's wicked. real fast. And it's just hip, hypnotic. You know, it's hard to take your eyes off that one. It's like somebody getting their face torn off by a monster intercut with hands grabbing titties, you know, that kind of thing. It's fucking so, genius, dude. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> Puzzling evidence did a, did a collage video that was, 
every scene from every movie where somebody says, kill me. It's called the kill me film. And it's a, there must, it, there's somebody says, kill me in a thousand movies. Yeah. That's why Warhol did the, the car crash. And that's why he did like, you're, cause you're taking the fucking pop and you're, and you're making it a fucking pop art. You know what I mean? Think about it. Well, well now you, now you got YouTube and TikTok for all that. Yeah. There's, there's some com- compilations of nothing but dash cam footage of car yeah. Ivan, <laughs> is there any esoteric information in the canon of the Bob's, you know what I mean? Teachings, you know what I'm saying? Are, is there you any, kidding? Is there, Man, co- is there loaded with, Coded informations. What I mean, oh, what are yeah, hell yeah! Just just from the the hier- there's hieroglyphs. Okay, yeah. In, in in this book, at the beginning of every chapter, there's these uh, these special subgenius hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. They've also these have, by the way, been turned into a font, a symbol font. Cool. We've seen more trademark violations from that than you can imagine. And well, let me put it this way: when, when I was just assembling this book, in in a lot of it in in this house, my parents' house, because they have a table that's enormous. But also, my dad, hey, like this this right here, is directly taken from. It's inspired by a. Kabbalah. Yeah, the right. true life. That's a real standard Kabbalah thing. Yeah, sure. My, my dad was a Mason, and he had this incredible book called The Secret Teachings of All Ages by yeah, Manly you know. P. Hall. And every Mason has a copy of that. Oh, there, all right. Oh, well, get this. My dad had the, the big gold embossed version cool. with all the pictures inside her in color. Oh, there you go. So you gotta, you gotta have that. Well, we've got, we've got one here that's like the giant fancy one because, because my my father was really into it. Wonderful. Well, you're right at home. I think, uh, yeah, Chris, excellent question. That was something I wanted to get into. Is like, wh- what are some of the actual influences? And I think you just summed it up in a big way. There are there any that maybe you think we might not be familiar with? Any sort of. S- deeper esoteric tomes that you've been influenced by? Oh, well, Philo and I ripped off all kinds of goofy little, there was a, there was a Mason's ripoff called the Mayans. That was, I think was, you know, like trying to be the Hispanic Masons. Uh And I don't think they lasted, but we got their little package. It was pretty good. The Jehovah's witness graphics used to be, really wonderful they did paintings you know of uh book of revelation type stuff they're for a babylon a lot of the original conspiracy theory stuff was influenced by that apocalyptic christian mindset it just kind of got revamped into a more realistic uh view centered on the actual corruption of our society i think what the church of the subgenius really does a great job of is kind of poking fun at that and you know we often use the term black pill in this podcast community to denote somebody who's you know taking this information that can be pretty overwhelming and just influencing people to 
feel doomed, right? And we try to put a positive spin on things and, and make things optimistic and avoid those black pill conversations as much as we can. And I think the Church of the Subgenius really is the OG of that. They've been doing that since well, the beginning. I, I wish that we had been a better antidote for QAnon. <laughs> because I mean, there, there's shit going on now. If you look through Book of the Subgenius, which put mostly put together around 1980, 81, 82, we have these list of predictions, Dateline for Dominance. Well, it's just ridiculous, absurd shit that would never happen, except that it's all started happening. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, like Mike Judge, who did that movie, uh, Idiot. Idiocracy. Um, yeah, Idiocracy. It's like he was horrified to see it come true so fast. It turned his sci-fi film into a documentary just like that. Well, that's why we talk about predictive programming so much in this community, because it's almost like the these people are, are creating a hypnotic spell, which then induces society to move in that direction, albeit maybe subconsciously. It might manifest consciously in a different form. But, yeah, it seems like uh, that's what might be at play with certain filmmakers. Have you ever looked into maybe like Stanley Kubrick and, and some some of the, you know, more conspiratorial directors like that? Well, yeah, we, Philo recently found that that, that documentary where that, that's purport or a book or something that purports to show up. Kubrick had all this intense symbolism and just in every, just dripping. Well, I don't believe that for a second. That's just, you can get, you can obsess over a great film and decide that it's packed with subliminals. I don't mm -hmm. think that Kubrick was really doing that. Oliver Stone, that's totally different. You know, he right up front, his JFK and Natural Born Killers, those things are packed with subliminals and Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's really responsible or not. But at this point, I mean, got the, those were the innocent days of 15 years ago. And with Facebook algorithms uh, working for them, the, the most hateful shit gets spread around because people's glands are rewarded when they get, you know, I think righteous indignation is the marijuana of the 2020. <laughs> it's it, yeah. people get off on getting righteously indignant and it happens on both sides. You know, the obviously the ultra conservatives and, and, you know, white nationalist types, all that. And, but all, but also, you know, people who are excessively woke to the quote unquote, to the point where it's just ridiculous. And I mean, I've had, I've had both sides, both kinds of extremists call me the other kind of extremist, but I wrote a book about extremist fringe shit, the high weirdness by mail. And uh, I, I actually feel like I'm in the middle of the road but about 50 feet up on a pole kind of looking all around. So, so I know where I am. Mm. I'm the sanest individual in the whole world. And I can see the levels of craziness as they get worse and worse rippling out of way. And I trying to keep the crazies away. It's much easier now that I live out in the, Actually, we live in the middle of Trump country, but we live in the middle of nowhere. Town is only 10 minutes away, but, I, you know, I basically could get every, could do everything by mail order. We go to the post office, the bank, 
the fancy beer store, grocery store, they're all in the same place. The town is so damn small, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, it's, 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 a, it's a nice place to live, oddly enough, because it's not a depressed rural Texas town. It's a tourist destination. We have the, a dinosaur state park here that has famous dinosaur footprints in the riverbed cool. and a dinosaur theme park and creation museum, creationist museum. It's fucking hilarious. And a wildlife preserve and a bunch of Christian, big fancy Christian play. So it's like a, a lot of tourists. And we have a nuclear power plant right out the window. I can open my window and see a nuclear, a two-dumb nuclear power plant. So the, it's actually a prosperous town and not not particularly depressing. It's really quaint. And I I mean, we I even have dinosaur tracks in our, on, on our property. On can, the creek. Can, they're can, they're can not great, ones, but they're, they're definitely dinosaur tracks. You can see three in a row where some kind of theropod crossed the, the river. I was a dinosaur fan as a child and a monster fan. When my parents, my parents bought this place when I, just after I left home for college. So I never really lived here, but I was thrilled that they bought a place at the dinosaur capital of Texas. And I have my own museum I'm building that's a, a competition for the Creationist Museum. It's called the Destructionist Museum. <laughs> and we have the fossil skeletons of, and I can, I, I've got, I mean, I can show people these. They're in kind of bad shape right now. But we've got fossil skeletons of an alien gray from dinosaur times, fossil devil, fossil cave subgenuses. Well, they're both male, but we call them Adam and Eve. It's really Adam and Steve. And a robot, a fossilized skeleton of an alien's robot that dates back to the Cretaceous. Wow. And lots of real fossils, but the real fossils are pretty boring. Yeah. Sea life, you know, seashells. Understandably so. Are there any cryptids, we'll say, that you you do believe in? Or, because I mean, those are all cryptids, arguably, but we often talk about things like Bigfoot and giants. You know, people talk about the Smithsonian taking giant skeletons and spiriting them away. Oh, I know, I know, know about those. Yeah, there were giants in the earth in those days. You'd love my driveway, actually. There's a there's a Bigfoot concrete Bigfoot statue. It's a small one. Can't afford the life size one. Not this big. First thing you see in the driveway. Now I have a sheet metal Bigfoot up against a tree where it's kind of almost camouflage. Hmm. My, my, one of the dog's names is Yeti. The biggest dog is named Yeti, and, and his sister is named Chupi for Chupacabra. Okay. Um, now, I have never I, – I, I apparently was abducted by – aliens at one point and they made it so that I cannot see aliens right. or UFOs. So I've been the one guy at the trailer court that didn't see anything. And everybody else is going, D- did, you didn't see that? That UFO? No, I, I was out gathering wood. I didn't see anything. <laughs> but, but, but I actually spent the night. That night I spent on horseback with an Indian riding around the prairie looking for the goddamn UFO. 
That was our last the, the game. The Indian, Lorenzo Blacklance, had, he, it was like Close Encounters, you know, where Richard Dreyfus can't let it go. He just can't quit thinking about that shape. And that, and, and this, this Lorenzo just, he wanted me to see the damn thing. And it had appeared over the pond across the highway and just suddenly shot into the air. Classic, you know, sighting. And yeah. that was an, an I, I, I sat there at one point going, it's midnight on the reservation in South Dakota. I'm in the middle of a prairie with a Lakota looking for a UFO. <laughs> this is before Church of the Subgenius. So I, that time I was studying metaphysics, uh, the paranormal, UFOs, real seriously. I took that stuff quite, I thought, if this is for real, it's the most important things in the world. Well, 20 years later, I decided that there were a lot of really interesting people out there. And apparently the ghosts, uh, every house I've moved into, I've been told it was haunted, but they apparently are more scared of me than I am of them. <laughs> Because they, they never show their face around me. And I've, I went from, from kind of half believing just about everything to, uh, to, to junior scientist. Now I'm, I'm a, a, I really am a junior scientist. I'm studying all the science I forgot as a kid. <clears throat> everything. You know, geology, chemistry, even, even mathematics. I'm trying to... learn more stuff that you can prove. I love the other stuff, though. I don't doubt that there are mysterious things flying around in the sky and strange stuff that happens that can't, nobody, you know, I don't like the explanations for them, but I don't think there have to be explanations. Mm. You know, who said we were going to get an instruction book with life, right? Agreed. Great that there's still mysteries. It would be terrible if they caught the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> you know, that's we all we all seen from movies what happens if they find Bigfoot. So, you know, it's I, I, I like I like it that way. Ivan, how do you guys describe creation? Bob, how does Bob cre- creation? Right, Adam and Steve. You said. Oh, well, actually, there's in in our second book, Revelation X. There's a whole chapter about the prehistory of humankind. And we don't go into what, where the Big Bang came from. Okay. We do know where it ends. The, the universe is not infinite. And there is actually a literal brick wall enclosing the universe. That should make you feel better. There is a limit. What's beyond it? Who the fuck knows? Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Not God, because he, he's the one that told us about it. Right. In fact, you can. I filmed it. You can send our movie. Let's visit the world of the future. <laughs> My YouTube channel, black and white, nineteen seventy-two documentary about the future. Okay. And uh, at one point, God. Actually, it's my dad playing God. Very appropriate if you knew him. <laughs> Nervous as hell too, but he he explains the that aspect of the universe. Uh, humans were originally lab rats for advanced yetis who were pretty much insta-evolved by the exus around the time the dinosaurs disappeared. Mm. That was an unfortunate accident, by the way, the end of the dinosaurs. Yeah, explain that. Who's, 
and the invention of humans. Oops. You think that some, some of the Yetis would lower themselves to mating with humans, and uh, that's where subgeniuses come from. Were there lizards? The Yeti, as opposed to people that are just pure human. Right. So we have, you know, most of us don't look very Yeti like. Well, so, some do. Some look real Yeti like. I mean, look at Juan, dude. Look at Juan right there. Right, exactly. You know, you got. Uh, it's a it, it shows up in the personality more, you know. It's mm. like the Neanderthals just kind of got bred out. Right. What about the dinosaurs? Were there uh, any my lizard DNA people? Test showed that I had seventy. I had more Neanderthal than seventy percent of their testes. Oh wow! Or their testes, testes <laughs> didn't have as much Neanderthal as my testes had. You full of juice. <laughs> Mine won't do any anybody any good now. But I've got three grandsons. They're packing that Yeti DNA. They're real yeah. good looking too. <laughs> this is awesome, dude. Have they met Bob? Oh yeah, of course, of course. They okay. You know, they mock Bob. They draw funny pictures of him with buck teeth. And they have mustaches to his face. And all that stuff kids do, you know. But you are allowed to draw Bob. I mean, you're not allowed to draw the Muslim one, right? But because I don't want to offend anybody, <laughs> you are allowed to draw the Bob one, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, people draw Bob all the time. That's a very common tattoo. I would never put anything like that on my body, but I, I'm sure I've lost count of all the bobs I've seen tattooed on people. Yeah, like I'm a uh, like a graphic designer, artist by trade, and I have seen that face for years and had no idea up until 45 minutes ago that that's what the that's what we've been looking at all these years. It must have been adopted by so many graffiti bands, et cetera, et cetera, over the years. Well, yeah, people just they put they. You know, we have we sell bumper stickers. People make their own. We sell T-shirts. You know, you you see that kind of thing. And we we've always encouraged merch. Merch game tough. Merch we've, game we've encouraged tough. a summies dot or wh- however you pronounce that. It's like this is a sheet that comes with the membership pack. It's all little ads. You can photocopy this and then cut out little ads and stick them in odd places, like the underside of a toilet seat or. Inside a pencil sharpening. Yeah. Places where somebody's going to find it when they're cleaning up and scratch love, their heads. And I go, love this, bro. Well, in, I've, seen in, that, uh, I've seen that damn face before. <laughs> right. That's, eventually, we get that 35 bucks out of my forty four ninety nine now. Wow. Yeah. I think this is the best. It's like you're a uh, mad scientist artist neanderthal an anti-cult leader mixed yeah, into one cult leader it's all like kind of in one big soup it's really like kind of an interesting thing i think we've seen it in discordianism and then you're telling us that you know fucking what, what did you say zoroaster is actually bob jehovah one Jehovah One, the alien space god from the corporate sin galaxy. Fucking amazing! Yeah, he's the one, but he's really the 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 troublemaker, (laughs) religious antagonist. You know, it 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 all springs from, you know, to tell the truth, a a whole lot of the new age came from early Rosicrucian stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, the Rosicrucian thing. Is derived from a series of satirical pamphlets <laughs> that were assigned Christ, the name Christian Rosencrantz, but that was a fictitious person. There were two guys 
that were kind of making fun of the metaphysical beliefs of their time. And they put out these pamphlets, but all kinds of smarty pants and geniuses went, well, they may have thought they were kidding, but this resounds with the truth. I know this is true. I've had people do that to me. They're going, well, you're channeling this stuff. No, no, honest to God, we're, we just got high and we just come up with this shit. I mean, my buddies, you know, we, with, uh, it's, it's, believe me, it's my buddies every bit as much as me. I am the one who did most of the recording and writing down and editing notes. So I did a lot of the dirty work, you might say. Preservation of things people said at parties that cracked people up. But, but yeah, I've had people insist, no, no, it's the secret. The Invisible College is putting this stuff in your head and going, no, we were looking at old Masonic and fucking Jehovah's Witness and Rosicrucian shit. All you got to do is read the Bible for about 10 minutes and suddenly you can talk that way. You know, <laughs> we were surrounded by uh, Christian radio in Dallas. Philo and I would turn on this uh, case guy, voice of the gospel. It was never ending source of inspiration because it was these old hick, sincere, sincere preachers and just money grubbers you know, from the Bob Tilton types to the Jimmy Swaggart types, the homegrown ones. And we imitated those guys. We, we copped their, their mannerisms to some extent. And, you know, you're just surrounded by it, especially right. in the Bible belt. Right. So would, uh, would you say that, you know, with the internet, we talked a little bit about that. Do you think that you guys sort of preceded this troll culture that's pretty heavy on the internet? Well, well yeah, I got to admit, when I spent years on Usenet in a group called Alt.Slack, and that was where we learned the art of politics by troll long before everybody else was doing it. I mean, you know, argument by troll. And, uh, you know, at first it would get, it would get to me. I'd, I'd let people, people would piss me off. But over the years, I got to develop a very thick skin and also just, it's like, well, this is just words from somebody way out there. I don't know what, whether they're serious or not. And who cares? You know, it's, I'm free of a lot of the anxiety that used to go with all that internet trolling stuff but we we saw the early versions of it well philo and i started out uh, kind of trolling c cb people we philo got a cb radio so like in the late 70s there was that fad of cb radio and it was like internet but it only went about 20 miles you know and it was all voice and we would get on the CB radio and, and do this man of earth, man of earth. You must end all atomic testing or be destroyed. You know, that kind of thing. And we encountered other people who trolled us back. In fact, that's where the term pink boy came from. These, these kids kept going, calling us. They'd show shut up, pink boy, shut up, pink boy. So in our pamphlet, we said that, the phrase shut up pink boy was the first <laughs> words heard from space. It was the first thing the aliens said to earth. <laughs> shut up pink boy. And we, we just decided to call all normal people pink boys. You know, it didn't matter what color your skin was or anything. Anybody could be a pink boy. Love it. 
my my family, <laughs> my father's side used to call white trash po-buckers, which I later learned was a, a der- derived from African words. Enslaved people uh, call had a, an African word for ghost or monster or devil, buckra, and they called the white overlords buckra. Well, the, the, the white people that were low stature economically were po-buckers. And I heard that word all the time growing up. So we started using it in churches as subgenius. Now people use it like it's a real word. Bulldata, that's another one. A friend of mine, Shredney Chisholm, coined the term bulldata, the latest exploration into the world of advanced surrealistic moralism in which the mind is filled with dirt and lugs which trickle to find shelter and rest inside the now sightless eye sockets. Can you believe I remember that? The definition of bull daughter, where we decided that was the term for like kitsch, you might say. Old stuff that is out of style, but looks really cool because of that. Like the old magazines that we'd find the ads in that had Bob in, you know, that was bull daughter. Frop, the word, the term frop, we've heard that. My Paul Mavridi's heard some kids in Berkeley talking about smoking some frop. And he said, where'd you guys hear that? And so everybody says, and they'd heard it on the radio because it was a radio show there. In Cleveland, there was a rap group called Bone Thug and Harmony. Hell yeah. And they used, they used the term, they referred to frop in some of their songs. And we knew that that came from, oh, there was a rap show right after our slack at this station in Cleveland. And the rap host had them on. They came in following, this was before 9-11. And they, the band came in and they go, somebody's been smoking something good in here. And the DJ goes, oh, it's the subgeniuses. That's their frop. Frop, huh? Oh, I want some of that frop. So that, that term showed up in Bone Thug and Harmony rap songs. Wow. Also, the word stang is also in rap songs. It means uh, a, a crime or a okay. sting, you might yeah. say. Gonna do a stang. The confusion I had before about frop was the monkeys use the term frotus, which is similar but not the same word. But yeah, okay, I I guess I didn't know that. Maybe that was something related over there in there Berkeley, the but movie head was a big influence on me because it was the first time, one of the first times I ever saw old movie footage repurposed. You know, totally different things juxtaposed from old black and white movies to to seem like they went together. And our editing style was kind of collage based. I did before the radio show, we did tapes. We had a, a network of cassette tapes and we did the 10 media barrage albums and they're very carefully edited. Back then it was reel to reel tape and splicing tape. What negative land <laughs> did did things that way in the old days too? They, uh, Mark Hostler one time he he wants me to someday see the real that a big the master of a big ten eight place. He says in places the the splicing tape is ten layers thick because they're splicing tiny little pieces onto each other, and th- there's overlap you know each time. 
God, things are so much easier now. I used to have to work with an upright moviola film editing machine. It's like a tractor, you know, big iron noisy thing that could eat your fingers if you got them in the sprockets. And the sound and the picture were separate. It was just a nightmare. But I was a film editor. I got used to keeping things very organized that way. And uh, when things went electronic, oh, God, man, it's so much easier. uh, I kind of lost interest (laughs) in in the filmmaking side of things. But my son is actually a Hollywood director. He's in the Directors Guild in Hollywood. Wow. Except that he's, he's done one feature film called Solver. Low-budget mystery that's really slick, but never went anywhere. And he mostly just did commercials and video, music videos and stuff. But it did, it did end up running in the family. So if I needed something filmed professionally, I'd call him. All I ever use now is my, my iPhone 6. Right on. It needs to be replaced. Well, Ivan... Uh- it's been a pleasure getting to know you better. Like Juan said, you know, we really did not know what to expect with the presence that the Church of the Subgenius has on the internet. How could we have known what to expect? But it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. And uh, In two hours, <laughs> <laughs> flying by, flying yeah, by. Yeah, I was. I had. To, I was recording this of myself just for yucks and. Uh, the mem- I looked down and it had stopped. It was because the memory ran out. Well, we I'd, can send you a recording if you want one. We'd be happy to send oh, you yeah, a recording. Yeah, I, I, I def- I'd like to have them all. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's an archive. Beautiful. And, and best of all, there's somebody to take over the archive after I heard. Well, I want to leave Chris and Juan a chance to ask any questions if they have it, but I'd also say, you know, once Juan and I get some of the books, we'd love to have you back on once we know a little bit more of what we're talking about and we can ask maybe some smarter questions. But Juan, Chris, you guys have any final thoughts? No, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed this. Love talking to you. Love hearing you talk. And, and thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you, Ivan. And for everything that you've done, aside from all the parody and all the bullshit, I think it's fucking great what you, what you did and what you keep doing and really waking people up. So I appreciate that. Well, we, we hear that a lot these days. It's very gratifying. I still like to get rich, though. That would be right. it's not too I late. Complain. I mean, I'm, I, I, we're 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 okay, but I, it would be nice to be really. You know. Not too late, Chris. Yeah. yeah, Ivan, man, thank you so much. This was incredible. I think what you've done is really cool, man. It's like a pretty advanced, like thought process wise. So very cool from an artist perspective. Shout out! That's fucking amazing. I, I would love to have you on Mensa, excuse me, to, which is my podcast, to keep introduce it to some other people. And, uh, yeah, keep doing it, man. Thank you. Sounds good. I'm, I'm honored to, to do it. Uh, it's, me, me and Mark kind of went back and forth. It was the most – when he first wrote me, it was like, oh, this guy can't even be bothered to use a shift key. <laughs> like, this is the laziest interview request I've ever seen. And at first I was just going to go, but then I thought, well, wait a minute. He refuses to know anything about it. That means I could just really pull his leg. I could lie my ass off. I, I had, I had all kinds of elaborate shit that, that night that I came up with, but then I 
I forgot most of it. Oh man. Well, we would have, we would have loved to get that, but too bad we didn't do it sooner. Yeah. Well, yeah it turned out you've done your research after all. <laughs> well, either way, it's an honor and please tell the folks where they can follow up and, and maybe order a package yeah, yeah, themselves yeah, um, or you tune would in. send me an email with a link. I never got any kind of a link at all. That was another thing. It's like, well, usually they, they, they give you a link to their previous shows and stuff. Fucking up, Mark. <laughs> oh, man. You really called me out here. Yeah, definitely forgot to do that. But I also, I you know, we weren't quite sure. I'd never, never reached out to someone with your infamy status. So, you know. I, you, see, just, you, you should use the, use the shift key when you're inviting somebody. <laughs> use the fucking shift key, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. I use anyway, I've got to go. My, my, my brother just got here with, with goat shit. So hail well, Bob. Have Bob. a great evening. And, uh, check out my <laughs> the greatest of all time ranch or the goat ranch. Thank you so much, Ivan. We appreciate you, man. Expect a, a well-formatted right. email from me. I'll talk to you soon, Ivan. Have a great evening. Oh, you got This fucking guy's amazing, dude. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. I promise you, the president has a big stick. Government officials, the Department of Defense, uh, this secretary and the people that work with me, to the extent anyone says anything that at any time proves to have been the truth. They correct it at the earliest possible opportunity. I'm not going to be a mule. I, I, I'm, I, I, I got something to do. I got to go do boom, boom, boom. people in the crowd and burn it in their tambourines and then uh, this giant peapod will be erected over the city to scare the people and remind them of peapod dogs the vegetable god of the west coast because the foundation did the research you see and we found out that people were scared by giant cans of yogurt uh, kefir and uh, vegetables that couldn't be handled by uh, five or more people so that was it peapod dogs was it Seem to scare all the Californians. Peapod dogs. Put a vegetable. Peapod dogs. 
Okay, bye now. Bye.